The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. To learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.gracefcwesterville.org. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Again, we're studying, journeying through our Sermon on the Mount. And again, we're in a section where our Lord Jesus Christ is teaching us to pray. And again, I want to remind people that this is a model prayer. The Lord didn't necessarily say pray this prayer. He said pray in this manner. So if you look at beginning in verse 9, let's read the whole prayer again. In this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts and as we forgive our debtors. And not, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And today's verse is going to be verse 11, where it says, Give us this day our daily bread. And there's a couple of things I want to look at this verse. And first thing is, who is the source? Obviously, everybody here probably would understand that it's God, but not everybody in the world understands that. So it's the Father that's being addressed throughout this prayer. He is the one who is being praised, and he's also the one being petitioned. He is our source for our provision. But not only ours, but I want to also include it in that everybody understand there's this universal uh, principle here. So if you look at Psalm 104, and I want to read verses 10 through 21, and this is what it says of God. He sends the springs into the valleys. They flow among the hills. They give drink to every beast in the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. By them, the birds of the heavens have their home. They sing among the branches. The waters, the hills from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and vegetation for a service of men that he may bring forth food from the earth. At wine that makes his glad the heart of man, oil make his face shine, and bread which strengthens men's heart. The trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon which he had planted. Where the bird make their nests, the stork has her home in the fir trees. The hills are for the wild goats, the cliffs are a refuge for the rock badgers. He appointed the moon for seasons, the sun knows it's going down. You make darkness and it's night in which all the beasts of the forest creep about. The young lions roar for their prey and seek their food from God. Have you ever thought that when lions roar, they're actually talking to God? They're like, hey, give me some food. And they don't have ulcers because they know he's going to provide it. That's the animal kingdom. Now, this prayer give us this daily bread for us Christians here in America, in the Western world, uh, will be kind of silly to pray, right? I mean, who really, don't raise your hand, but this week, ask God, God, give me some bread. Think about it. Many of us actually need some less food, don't we? But God asks us to supply, to pray for daily bread. We can understand, you know, third world country making these prayers. When we live in comfort, 
we start thinking or inclining on our own strength. We think we carry our own load. You know, this is me. I'm in America. I've had a business opportunity or whatever you're doing, you're successful. And because we have this comfort, and I think I mentioned a long time ago when we were in Russia, you know, some, some people went to church. We had to change like five buses. I'm not just making it up. We, we did. And now in America, you know, there's some people that have three, four cars in the driveway, and they don't even go to church no more. You see, because this is the life of luxury. And we forget what God says in Deuteronomy 8.18. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. He's the one that's given you strength to begin. Our life, our breath, our health, possessions, talents, all originate from the resources that God has created for us and made available to us. In Acts 17, verses 24 to 28, we reread, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made of hands, nor is he worshipped with man's hands, although he needed anything, since he gives to all, he gives to all, life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth, and has determined the pre-appointed times and boundaries of their dwellings. So they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him, find him, and though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live, move, have our being, as also some of your own poets said, for we are also his offspring. For in him we live, we move. You know the only reason you're here today? Is because God allowed you to be here today? That's the only reason you're here today. You know, I don't mean to sound insensitive, but sometimes we hear at a funeral and so forth. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with saying it, but, you know, God took his life. Well, if we're politically correct, God didn't take his life. He, he just stopped giving it. He's just stopped giving it. He doesn't take it. He stops giving it. And God, folks, you know, always provided for men, not just spiritually, but when he created Adam and Eve, before he made them, which was the last creation, look what it says in Genesis 1.29. And God said, see, I've given you every herb that yields the seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to it shall be for food. So before he created Adam and Eve, he created and provided for them food, their daily, daily needs that they will need. And we have this physical thing we have comes from God's provision. So everything we have, I know we kind of tend to say it as Christians, but everything we really have comes from God. Good, bad, the ugly. In our lives, in 2 Corinthians 3.5, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Sufficiency is from God. And for a Christian, it just doesn't mean just material. It also means spiritual. So 
for us to be indifferent and daily recognize that we have food in our refrigerator, car in the driveway, a roof over our head, and not be thankful, in my opinion, that's a sin. Because God provides for us. So he is the source, so to him we make supplication. And if you look at verse 11 again, give us this day our daily bread. Supplication is expressed in give. So God is the source of our blessings, but give also signifies he is the only one that can meet them. He is the only one that can meet them. And folks, Lord's ability to meet our needs is not limited. It's unlimited. He gives us things and provides for us because of his grace and mercy, because he loves us. So it's not something we earned. We can't say God owes me this or that because in reality we don't deserve anything except wrath and punishment. But by his grace, by his mercy, so we can't come to our prayers and plead with God based on our deeds and things like that. God doesn't owe us anything. And if you pray like that, you won't get much. So we appeal to his mercy by faith. His full faithfulness and grace in Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, we read, Though his, the Lord's mercies are, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. See, the only thing that makes this petition, praying for the daily bread, or Jesus gives this instructions for us to do, is based on the promises God made. If it wasn't for the promises God made to us, then it's pointless to pray that way. So we pray confidently because God's promised to take care of us, to provide for us. But you know what the major problem with Christianity, I think, and maybe you experienced this, you don't think God is taking care of you. You look around and you see wicked people prospering, right? And you say, God does not, he's not taking care of me as he should. And I'm a child of God. But the word of God tells us in Psalm 37, verse 3, says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Verse 4 says, Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as noonday. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. And then he says, don't fret because of him who prospers in his way. This is speaking of the wicked ones. Because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. In verse 8, he says, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. And then he picks up in verses 10 and 11, says, For yet a little while the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. 
And then in verse 11 says, but the meek shall inherit the earth. Where do we hear that before? Matthew 5, 5, the attitudes, right? And shall delight themselves in abundance of peace. So it's hard for us to understand, you know, why God blesses the wicked. Or it may be seen that way, but we need to remember riches come from the devil too. Do you not remember when Jesus being tempted by Satan said, I'll give you all these kingdoms, all these riches, all these earthly riches. All you have to do is bow down the knee to me. And we, we start looking at the wicked and we sometimes think God is not taking care of us or providing for our needs. What we're really doing is taking our eyes of the Lord. He is no longer in our focus. We start seeing things that the wicked have. And there's a great example of that in the Bible, in Psalm 73, Psalm of Asaph. And look what it says in the first two verses. He says, truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But then in verse 2 he says, but as for me, my feet almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Now when you feet and you're a Christian, you're stumbling and you're slipping. Again, you're taking your eyes off the Lord, right? Well, why did he take off his eyes off the Lord? In verse 3 it says, For I was envious of the boastful, and I saw when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And then verse 5 says, They are not in trouble as other men, nor they plague like other men. They're living their life. They're not sick as us. We're all unhealthy. They're just enjoying their, their life. And so verse 7, he says, their eyes bulge with abundance. They got everything. They have more than heart could wish. And then in verse 16, he continues, he says, when I thought how to understand this, it was painful for me. He's saying, I don't understand this. All these wicked people, they're prospering. I'm a child of a king, and I drive a Prius. No offense to Prius. How, how is that possible? But then in verse 17, he says, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. Took his eyes off the Lord. Now he's putting them back on the Lord. He's going to the sanctuary. And he finally understands when he spent more time with God. As we read in Psalm 37, it said, trust in the Lord, right? Commit your way in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. So when he spent some time, he understood therein. And verse 27 picks up, for indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert, desert you for harlotry. But it is good for me to do what? Be jealous of them? Get more stuff? But it's good for me to draw near to God. And look at that. It says, I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare your works. So what became his priority? Get closer to God and declare his work. Really, that's how this prayer starts, right? 
So we already read in Psalm 33, again, he says, David says, trust in the Lord, delight in the Lord, commit your way, rest in the Lord, declare his works. And what happens? In Psalm 37, verse 25, David writes, I've been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen a righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging for bread. God has provided just as he promised. Now, folks understand, as I said, there's this principle where God provides for everybody, right? Unjust and just, the sun shines on everybody, the rain goes. But we need to understand that God is not obligated to meet the physical needs of everybody. Because if you look at that verse again in verse 11, who are the seekers here? Give us. Who is us? Those who belong to his kingdom. Jesus said in Luke 18, 29, verse 30, it says, So he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left the house or parents or brothers or wife for the sake of the kingdom. If you gave up all these things for the sake of the kingdom, who shall not receive many times more in the present time and in the age Come eternal life. Again, when you make the kingdom of God your priority, God will take care of you. Because God commits himself to meet the essential needs of his own children. And he reminds us in Matthew 6.25, says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Now, doesn't mean, again, you shouldn't plan for tomorrow. Or you shouldn't have, you know, something saved up for tomorrow. But it says, do not worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about it. Because in Matthew, he continues and says in 32, 33, For all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows what you need, all these things. But again... Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. What do we see again? Kingdom is the priority, right? Seek the kingdom of God first. Then all these things will be added to you. So when we're looking at other people and get envious, we're not doing kingdom work. Also, we also need to understand where it says here, us, in our prayers, should not be, God, give me my daily bread. It says, give us. Give us our daily bread. So there, in our prayers, should be this mutual care and concern between our brothers and sisters. He commands us to pray, give us. So when we pray in this, give us this daily bread, not only are we asking for him to provide, but we're committing ourselves to help provide bread for the needy. Over and over again, folks, Bible stresses the fact that we are concerned of the needs of others. In 1 Corinthians 
Paul writes in chapter 10, verse 24, says, let no one seek his own, but each one other's well-being. And then he wrote the Philippians in 2, 4, says, let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. So we commit ourselves to be the hands of God for other people that are in need and that we can provide. And God will reward that. He will provide you and bless you more abundantly. And you know, there was a story I read in the 1800s. There was an elderly couple entered a hotel room, entered a hotel, I'm sorry, and they asked for a room, but they didn't have any rooms available because they had conventions in town. But the clerk at the desk offered them his own room. First, they didn't want to intrude and take his room, but he said, it's 1 o'clock in the morning. It's okay. I'll sleep out in the lobby. So they took his room, and the next morning when they were paying the man that was in his room, he said, you know, you should be the boss of the best hotel in the country. And the man kind of laughed it off. But time passed by, and he received a letter from this old gentleman and a ticket to New York asking him to come and visit him. And he took him, this is a true story, folks. He took him to the corner of Fifth Avenue and 34th Street. That building's still there. And he said, look at this building. I said, wow, that's a fine building. He says, I built it for you. I want you to manage this hotel for me. That name, man's name was William Waldorf Astor. That's the Waldorf Astoria Hotels. And George C. Bolt was the first manager. Folks, we reap what we sow. So if God gives you things and you pray and he blessed you abundantly, don't think it's all for you. You need to be the hands of God because you received from him to help others out and display his glory. And we're reminded again, all over the scripture, if you look at Luke 6, 38, it says, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put in your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And Proverbs eleven twenty four says, There is one who scatters, yet more increases. One who scatters, the more he gives away, the more he has. And in Proverbs 22, 9, he says, He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread, of his bread to the poor. So we give and pray us, not only we depended on God, but we are also committing ourselves to be part of God's answer for other people. So when we pray for our needs, when do we really pray for our needs? Till a need is has come on, sitting on our lap, right? Something happened, we have a need, that's when we go to God in prayer. What's the schedule here, though? Give us this day our daily bread. Means regular, day by day, supply for our needs. Commanding us to pray, give us today our daily bread. And we are, need to learn to rely on God's provisions one day at a time. 
looking for, to him for our needs. Now, he may give us a vision for the future, maybe some work he wants you to do, but as far as needs, that's day to day. How would you feel if you only heard from your child when, you know, need arises? There's no thank yous. Just when I need something, when I need money, give, give, give dad a call, right? The Lord wants to hear from us every day, not once in a while, because we truly do need him. And folks, we need to learn to be content with what he provides and what he gives us. Because through all of that, we're developing our faith, we're trusting him more, and we're getting rid of this worry. That's how you get rid of worry in your life. You trust in the Lord, trust and obey. If we worry, folks, if you're a worrier, you're worry, worry, that means you can't trust. But if you trust and you truly trust, you won't worry. Because in Psalm 68, 19, it says, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. Daily. And you know, I think this verse 11 is out of the whole prayer, the one that kind of challenges the direction of the world. I truly do believe that. Because we prefer security, right? We want to not just have it for today. We want to have a nice retirement account. We want to have making sure that we can, you know, live out. We want to have not just daily. We want to have it monthly. We want to have a yearly provision. And, folks, those things are fine, and you're planning for those things. But if that becomes your goal, when that takes total independence in consuming goal, that shows you want to be independent from God. When that's your goal and desire. And rich man and Luke, we read, made a tragic mistake. He felt he had no needs. He don't need anyone and definitely doesn't need God. If you look at Luke 12, verses 15 through 21, I'm sure you're familiar with this story. And Jesus said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist of abundance of things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And, though, and he thought to himself, saying, what shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you may have many goods laid up for many years. Take ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you provided? In verse 21, he says, So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. See, God blessed this man abundantly, plentifully. He could have opened up a food bank, right? Jesus said, You will always have the poor among you, so there's poor people. What can I do? Who's in need? I mean, he took a lot of work. He tore down the old barns, built new ones. Why not just keep the old ones? 
keep them full and provide to the people of your town. But no. And folks, that's the way things go when sometimes when God gives us things, we need to remember and not be consumed by them because you need to understand it's not yours anyway. You didn't earn it. God just merciful and he gave it to you. So if he give you plentifully, your responsibility is to share. Again, use discernment. But folks, if you're trying to get rich, Scripture teaches, if that's your goal, there's nothing wrong with being rich. But in your life, if you make it to be rich and have a life of possession and things, and that's what your focus is, God warns us and says you will not go unpunished. If you look at Proverbs 28, 20, it says that a faithful man will abound with blessings. But he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. And then if you read also 1 Timothy it's, uh, chapter 6, verses 8 and 9, it says, In having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. And we'll get to that a little bit later, but see, that verse, that is just your need. That's it. That is just your need. And then in verse 9, he says, But those who desire to be rich, like this man, fall into temptation and snare into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Desire of the heart is to be rich. But desire of your heart should be what? Hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. But a lot of times, folks, we fall into this same pattern. We want to have money in the bank. We want to have something there so when tomorrow comes, we don't have to worry about it tomorrow. Call that security, right? But the Bible says, don't trust in those uncertain riches. If you look at 1 Timothy 6, 17, it says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor trust in uncertain riches, but trust in who? But trust in the living God. Why shouldn't we trust in our riches? Well, there's a saying, right? Money talks. Mine always says goodbye. It's here today, gone tomorrow. You can't rely on those things. Economy goes down, economy goes up. Inflation, value of a dollar goes down. You can't trust in those things. And whenever you're rich or poor, God wants us to be dependent upon him daily. He wants us to pray for our daily needs. He wants us daily to thank him, trust, and depend on him. And you know, when I was reading this verse, one thing came to mind when Moses was leading the Israel out of Egypt. In chapter 16 of Exodus, do you guys remember the story? They were hungry and so forth. And God gave them what? Manna? Manna in the morning, manna in the afternoon. But it's interesting if you read that. He says every day, manna will fall. Now, cornflakes, right? Tony the tiger. It will rain down. This bread will come down. You are to pick up, scoop up what you need for today. 
You are not to get bread for tomorrow, except on Sabbath. Sabbath. But if you got so much bread, and you didn't listen to the Lord and the instructions he gave, and you're like, hey, I'm going to stuff this for tomorrow, what happened to that bread? It went stale, right? Because they didn't listen. Because sometimes that's, we fall into the same trap. And the reason, folks, we do those kind of things is trust and we worry. And really, we're not living by faith. We're not living by faith. And faith, living by faith, is what really pleases the Lord. If you look at Hebrews 6, 11, 6, it says, But without faith it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And Paul wrote to Romans in 1.17, For it is in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So what is faith, really? May I put it this way? I know we can describe it in lots of different ways. Faith is refusal to panic. When we have a need and we're living by faith, don't panic, God knows. When we live by faith, we rely on his righteousness and, folks, his responsibility and his promises. We can be confident that he will take care of us. We have assurance that the prayer will be answered. We'll have hope. One day he's coming. We're all going to go to heaven. And we will be submissive to his will in our lives. And folks, the last thing I want to look at and talk about is the substance. So give us this day our daily bread. Again in verse 11. Bread is the substance here. And I want us to understand we talked about food, we talked about riches, but it all symbolizes all our, our physical needs. So, folks, first I want to understand when we're praying for bread, it refers to necessities of life, not luxuries, okay? Not luxuries. Necessities. We are to pray for our necessities. This indicates our needs opposed to our wants. Bread is common, right? Luxury is not. Too many of our prayers are for what we do not need. It's more for our wants. And the problem, God, is often, you know, people say, I prayed for this and so forth, and God didn't provide. Well, if you analyze it, it wasn't really a need. It was more of a want. And James reminds us in chapter 4, verse 3, he says, You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Give us our daily bread is not praying for everything that's in the Macy's catalog or whatever you're looking at, Amazon or whatever. You know, sometimes people misuse the very same psalm that we read, Psalm 37, says, you know, delight yourself in the Lord, and he gives you desires of your heart. We hear a lot of preachers say, hey, you got desire Cadillacs? 
then you deserve a Cadillac. You desire fancy clothes, then you deserve fancy clothes. That's not how prayer works. If you delight yourself in the Lord, you will have the same feelings as he does, and you will understand more clearly what your needs are. So it doesn't mean, folks, when we ask for bread, when we pray, you're going to get everything that you want. Sometimes we want the things we don't need. That's true. And sometimes we need things we don't want. When I was a kid, my dad over there sitting in the corner says, you need this spanking. I didn't need one. I didn't want one. But I did need one, right? You see, in Philippians, Paul reminds us in verse 19, says, And my God shall supply, what? All your need, all your need, according to his riches and glory by Christ. And there's a very interesting two verses in Proverbs 30 and verses 7 and 8. He says, Two things I request of you. Deprive me not before I die. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. But then it's interesting, he says, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with a food allotted to me. Basically, God, I don't, need, I don't desire riches. I don't desire poverty. You just feed me. Just give me my basic needs. Second, I want to remind us when we're asking for bread, it's needs. It's not luxuries. Doesn't mean God can't give you a luxury. He may, but then you're going to be double blessed. So you better be thankful, double, you know, spend twice as much time in prayer thanking him. So it's for needs. The second thing is when we pray for bread, I need you to understand is it does not free you from the responsibility of working. It does not free you from the responsibility of working. In Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 11, read, Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider her way and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. It's very important, folks. Prayer is not substitute for not doing any work. If you pray for if you're praying for bread, you know how you say amen? You go work for it. You go work for it. You know, sometimes when I explain this, I get Matthew 6:26. I get a response, well, didn't God said, look at the birds of the air, for neither they sow nor reap nor gather into the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Well, yeah, he does feed them. It's true. But how does he feed the birds? How does he feed the birds? Does he go to their nest and put little cornflakes in there? No. They got to go scatter for it, right? They got to go search for it. And he will provide. They got to work for it. How's going to God feed you? You want God to give you bread? Let me give you a couple of verses. Genesis 3.19. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. 
you're going to work. You're going to sweat. Thessalonians 3.10, we all know this one. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. So if you're not going to work for it, there's no point in asking God for your daily bread. Is that God cruel? No, that's the Bible. And Proverbs 20, verse 4 says, The lazy man will plow, not plow because of winter. He will beg during the harvest and have nothing. Lazy to plow? Then you're going to have nothing to eat. Proverbs 28, 19 says, He who tills his land and have plenty of bread, but he who follows fairly will have poverty enough. So when we pray for bread, folks, we don't sit back and do nothing. How are you to show your faith? By doing nothing? That's not how James tells us. In two, chapter 2, verse 17, he says, Those also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, it's what? Dead. So, folks, you can ask for things. It's okay to pray for a house, right? Everybody wants a house. It's okay to pray for a house. But how you say amen? Go get a nail gun, you know, go, get, go work for it. Get a saw, get a hammer. If you're able to be building it yourself, go work for it. Ask God's blessing. And if it's in his will, but you got to go work for it. If you want a wife, what do you got to do? Go pray, and then go shave, you know, put some cologne on. Look good, learn some manners. You got to work for it. So ultimately, everything comes from God. But when we pray, it's referring to necessities. And when we pray, it doesn't mean we just sit back and do nothing. And thirdly, when we pray for bread, we have to have priority in our lives and in our prayer lives. You know, and often our prayers start in verse 11, right? Gimme, 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 gimme. But that's not the right priority. Let's look at verses 9 through 10 again. And in this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And if you notice, when we read Scripture, it's all over the place. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, then all this will be added to you. So there's the priority in our prayer before we even ask for our needs. It's thy name, thy kingdom, thy will. And folks, people say, well, I prayed and it didn't work. Well, probably didn't work because you're not putting God in his kingdom first, right? Don't tell me God is not faithful when you didn't put priority in your prayer. And if you're ever in doubt, if you're not getting your answer, prayers answered, just reread the instructions. Thy will, thy kingdom. And folks, I also want to kind of say when God provides us things, you know, it said bread strengthens a man. What, what, what is that strength for? What is that strength for? Well, if we have priority in our lives and our prayers, that strength is to extend God's kingdom. His will be done on earth. 
So let me ask you a question. Why would God give you daily bread or strength if you're serving the devil? Why would he give you more strength if you're not working for his kingdom? For what? God will give you bread and strength if it's used for his glory, for his kingdom. Is God really first in our desires? Is there anything that we love more than God? And folks, I often say there's one place God will not work, and that is second place. God will never work in second place because he demands preeminence. Look at Colossians 1.18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the, in the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. So God doesn't just want a place in your life or prominence in your life. Preeminence, first in everything. When you come to God in prayer, we need to ask ourselves, is there a burning desire in my prayers, in my life, that his name be glorified? His kingdom will come, that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm telling you, folks, when we have that priority right, God will give you bread. God will supply your needs. But again, but seek the kingdom of God first. And all those things will be added to you. Now, in conclusion, folks, I want to say there's something more, more important than feeding your body and having physical uh, needs met, and so forth. What difference would it make if you had three meals a day? Nice steak at dinner, maybe, I don't know. You live till you're 100 and then die and go to hell. What difference would that make? In Matthew 4, 4, Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus was God incarnate. And in John 6, 35, he says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is the bread of heaven. That's the most important bread you can pray for. Unless you feed on Christ, it doesn't matter how much daily supply you have. In Mark 8, verses 36 and 37, we are reminded, and it says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And folks, I kind of thought about that verse and that whole world doesn't just include earth. It's the moon, the stars, and so forth. And that's the worth of your soul. And none of those things will matter unless you have the bread of life. So before we can even pray for our daily bread, because it says us, do you know Christ? Are you truly saved? Are you born again? 
And really, I know we ask this question, but if we really think about it, if you die right now, would you go to heaven? Would you die, go, die and go to heaven? Only you can answer that. So God will supply all of our needs for those who trust him and those who put the kingdom first. Just pray.